Welcome to the Loftus Party Podcast. We've got a great one for you. We're doing this one in chunks because over at uh, Camp Liberty Gypsy, they got a storm rolling in. And up here at the Loftus Party East, we got storms rolling in. We got a little crossfire hurricane of our own. So because we're so dedicated to you, our wonderful listeners, we're, we're going we're gonna to record a little hunk today, a little hunk tomorrow to bring you the finest in high quality political comedy infotainment. How's that sound? Sounds it great. Sounds, it does. Oh, that was you were a little, a little. I was lame. a little slow and lame and lame. I didn't like your read on that one. I'm like, how's that sound? You're like, sounds great. Okay. There's uh, we we have to talk about the, the RNC. This is the big. This is the uh, uh, 900-pound gorilla in the room. It might have been a 600-pound gorilla, but, man, that thing's been eating like crazy. (laughs) We got to talk about the big differences that we had uh, and and what we saw and uh, our takeaway and the inspiration and blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing, you lucky listeners. Here's the thing. Uh, The Liberty Gimlet, I think, watched every second she watched every I had second. To. She's got now. Why? Why did you have to? I watched as I watched a lot. I watched a lot. Unfortunately, life got in the way a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did. I did watch. I did watch quite a bit. So why uh, did you have P- to watch every second? The same reason I had to watch the Democrats. The PJ Media team does a live blog during the debates, so we're like writing it while it's happening. Okay. And commenting on it. For people who can't watch it or only want to watch part of it, and especially those who didn't want to watch the Democratic debate at all. So, yeah. Or the uh, Democratic you know convention at all. So, yeah, I, we, it, just, we, we do it live. As I'm thinking about it, I think I might have watched more of uh, the DNC than I did the RNC. And here's here's what I'm, here's my question for you. Uh, we talked this a, a, a little bit last week. I flipped I flipped a lid uh, when when Joe Biden came out with that whole Charlottesville lie again, the whole good people on both sides. Has anybody fact checked that yet? Has anybody like put his held, held his feet to the fire on that one? Like any I don't um, think anybody has. Not with him personally, but PolitiFact fact checked it way back when he launched his campaign. And while they didn't rate it as totally false, they did rated as mostly false, I believe. Um, The other thing that was really interesting is that there was a Rasmussen poll that came out yesterday, I think. Mm -hmm. It was either yesterday or Thursday that said 52% of Americans know that's not true. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. That's that's fantastic and good. I want that number to go up, 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 up. up. Yeah. I know the BBC BBC fact-checked it. That was the only one I could find uh, last week. Yeah, they... The ones that fact-checked it originally were when he did his campaign launch and used it. But here's my thing about Joe Biden continuing to use that. Yeah. Okay. Hawaiian shirt, tiki torch carrying leader now endorses you, Joe. Oh, (laughs) that's right. You're really worried about guys with veins bulging out of their neck um, saying anti-Semitic things. You have open anti-Semites in your party, and three of them spoke at your convention. So you really need to shut up. <laughs> You're talking about, I think that guy's name is Spencer, right? Richard Spencer? Uh, uh, yep. Richard yeah. B. Spencer. Yeah. To be specific. <laughs> it's just. But I mean, 
You have Ilhan Omar. Yeah. You have you have Tamika Malloy. You have Linda Sourstore. And those are just the ones I can I can name off the top of my head. And then you have six supporters of Louis Farrakhan, who's the biggest anti-Semite in the world. It Speak is, at your uh, convention and you want to use the Charlottesville lie. Like literally makes my head want to explode. It really does. You know, and it's it's funny and we're, we'll, we'll, we'll key more on the we're not going to blow past the the RNC. You guys, we're going to talk about it. It's, it's worth discussing. It really is. But it's just funny to me. And this is why you guys but I'm not blowing smoke. I'm just telling you the truth. Gimlet and I are ahead of the curve. We're ahead of the curve. We've been saying for the longest time, we got to lift each other up. We got to support new media. We got to support other content creators. Ba 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 ba. I just retweeted it like Sarah Carter. Very smart. Very smart lady. Very. She's on Fox News all the time. She mm-hmm. she just did a video. It just it it just occurred to her. She's like I have 1.3 million followers on Twitter and my voice is being silenced and we got to try to help each other out. And I'm like, welcome aboard. You are now officially invited to the Loftus Party Barbecue. Welcome to the club. It is the only way to go. And I say this because the whole Joe Biden Charlottesville thing and there's not enough pushback on that. And then I saw this. We know the media is all in for Biden. We know, we know, we know it. So the only thing we can do is like to keep, you know, creating mm-hmm. our own. You see, uh, this was on uh, Twitter this morning. Uh, there was a some reporter somewhere uh, getting ready to set up a shot. He was getting ready to, he, you know, has a little camera out there and his cameraman and some uh, some Trump supporter, I think in New Hampshire, bigger fella, you know, decided he was going to confront the reporter. He did it from like four or five feet away. He's not wearing a mask and he's like, hey, how do, how do you sleep at night telling your lies? You know what you are? You're, and then he calls him a name and, and then he's getting no reaction from the reporter. The reporter's pretending to text. He's pretending to be interested in his phone. And the guy keeps calling names and he, he says some really stupid things. And right now the media is shocked by that. They're shocked by it. They're like, look at this. Horrible. And uh, I'm dying laughing over here. First of all, it's a dumb move. Dumb move by the Trump supporter to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But the media is just shocked and outraged by this. This this could have gotten violent. This Listen to the words that this guy's saying. And then the, the deafening silence on everybody who was walking out of that Republican convention in D.C. Mm-hmm. They, they, they went after Dan Bongino. And listen... Bongino yep. was on the news talking about, hey, Don, Bongino's no slouch. That guy's like he's six one. Sec- he's a former yeah. Secret Service agent. And he's thick. He, he lifts. He knows how to fight. But like he, he, he said it great. He's like, he's like, I can't beat up 20 people. I can't take on 20 people. That's just how it is. Nope. And when they and they went after Rand Paul. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. And I might be getting ahead of myself. But they went after Rand Paul and his wife, which is especially stupid. Because uh, Rand Paul was actually the the co-author of some bill about Brian named for Brianna Taylor, and he's on he's on your side, you idiots. He's on the side of Law and Order. But they attacked Rand Paul. They attacked his wife. Blah blah. That's not shocking to anybody because the media decides uh, that it's not shocking. Here's where we are, and I hope I'm wrong on this one. I really hope I'm wrong on this one. Because there hasn't been any pushback from Biden or anybody on the left, 
uh, I think I got the bad, bad juju going on. I got the bad, I got the butterflies in the tummy that we are right on the verge of uh, of another uh, Steve Scalise uh, baseball event. That was that was a few years ago, but someone on the left was so tweaked, you know, about Bernie Sanders and what happened that he decided that he was going to go out and just start blasting uh, Republicans. And because there was good people there with guns, because there was like cops and it didn't turn into a complete and total bloodbath. But this rhetoric, this when you have who's that black bald chick? Who, uh, I don't oh, even Ayanna, know what... Ayanna Presley, she, she's part of the squad. Where is she from? Massachusetts. Wow, that chick is bad news. She's bad news. Because she's I literally... Used to, I used Go to ahead. think she was the most reasonable one. And it turns out I was wrong. <laughs> she looks like she looks like a villain out of like a, a new Superman comic book. Like literally with those eyebrows and... The bald, the bald head looks good on her. Some chicks look good with bald, but man, she's like dialing up the the hate speech. And then Nancy Pelosi was calling people the enemy of the state recently, and it's just like mm-hmm. that's all they have. We're, we'll circle back now to the to the DNC and the RNC. Here's my takeaway. Here's what I saw. Uh, there was no policy put out by the DNC. It was literally just. No. Sadly, Trump's a Trump's a big meanie. He's a big meanie. It's a battle for the soul. Oh, why is he so mean? We need a leader who can hug that kind of stuff. And then, and then, of course, Trump and the RNC rolled out plans. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's how we're gonna keep uh, America great. Here's the kind. Of, here's how we're gonna create jobs. Yada yada yada. And Biden, I'll give him. I mean, he did say some pie in the sky crap. He's like, ah, we're gonna do green energy and we're gonna create five million Cure jobs. Yeah, the moonshot. So, what are your thoughts? Tell me, tell me something. Well, tell me something I I don't know about the about the RNC and the DNC. Okay. Here, here's my overarching point of view: production Great. value by the RNC, fabulous. Those fireworks. Those fireworks. The the vignettes not um narrated by John Boyd or John mm-hmm. John Boyd, yeah. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. the only better narrator would have been like Darth Vader. Um James the Earl guy Jones. who did Darth Vader. I just lost or, his name. Sorry. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, but Morgan Freeman's a raging lib, so um yeah. anyway, so those were awesome. And what the GOP has figured out under Ronna McDaniel and Donald Trump is stop talking about charts, stop talking about graphs, stop talking about tax brackets, talk about stories that paint your picture. Yes. Stories from regular Americans, stories from other Republicans, stories from people who are not somebody you would think traditionally would be in the Republican Party. And Show what we actually are. We are an all-inclusive, diverse, big tent party now because we love America and most Americans do. And And that's what I took away from the RNC. That is the battle between the old guard and and the new guard. Mm -hmm. And once again, I'm going to pat us on the back. I'm going to pat us on the back. We've been saying it on this program for a long, long time, years 
It's about emotion. It's about emotion. You can get up there with your wipe off board and go, well, you know, the the rate of consistent growth of the economy under the uh, Obama administration was a 2.2. However, by uh, inverting the curve of the inflection point and getting 2% more to the blah, blah, we were managed to increase it. No, no one gives a damn about that stuff. We walked away from the wonks. Yeah. There were no wonks at this convention, and it was fabulous. That's I loved the mom about school choice. I oh, lo- yeah. I, I, I mean, I loved the McCloskeys. Say what you want about them. They were absolutely 100% correct. And man, CNN hated them. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to think. That pardon, I cried. I literally oh, goodness. cried. I, that, um, the Cuban guy. The Cuban guy. I've watched oh, that speech oh three and times. Fox talked over that. What the world? Oh. I, I'm going to take the Fifth Amendment on that one. Uh, I've watched that guy's speech like three times. I get choked mm-hmm. up every time. I get choked up every time. There's nowhere he else got to choked go. Up. Oh, because it's important. It's the most important thing. And then mm-hmm. that's like I did that stupid song. There's nowhere else to go. <laughs> I'm like, well, me and the old Cuban guy, we we got it together. That is. But, uh, um, Ooh, go did ahead. Did you see? Did you see Ann Dorn? Mm-hmm. Oh my God! I was just about to bring that up. I was just about to bring that up. It is uh, heartbreaking. It was a God bless that lady for doing what she did, and it was fantastic. There is. It, it's so clear to me now that if the if the media wasn't propping up the left. They would have nothing like seriously, I don't I, and I, I, this is not hyperbole, but what is that? What what has the Democrat Party like ever done like successfully, successfully, like what city have they descended upon and turned it into a Shangri-La? You cannot put your finger on on any of it. It's all just these like, oh, it's we have we have good intentions. We have good intentions. And it's epic fail after epic fail after epic fail. And it's uh, it's it's an exciting time to be alive because here we go. It's it's all or nothing. This is the this. We're at the big casino now, bitches. It is all uh, it's we keep our country or we lose it. We keep our country. I know everybody. I was just on the phone with a buddy of mine. And he was talking about his backup plan. Like everyone I know has a has a plan B. You're already set. You're already living that gypsy life. You know you you got <laughs> you got there it. There was a line. There's a line outside of the U-Haul, the U-Haul office. I saw on that. the west side. Did you see that? Yeah, in New York, and you're like, wow, yep. that's a, that's a lot of people standing out there. And then that's the camera, line. <laughs> the camera pans up to show the U-Haul mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. That was uh that is uh it ain't good. Oh, New York will survive, but it's gonna look it's gonna be weird. Go ahead. The other favorite moment that I had, and yeah. I don't know who decided like whoever decided how to camera shoot this thing was a professional. Okay. Because okay. when you long shot Melania walking towards the stage. Yeah, that's just majestic. 
And then they did it again after Mike Pence's speech, which was very, very good. Yeah. They had they had Trump and Melania coming together to the stage, and Trump made a big deal out of Mike Pence, pointing at him, I love this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then I watched, and he taps Melania on the shoulder, and he points off the stage and then he starts walking around and I'm like oh my god the secret secret service is having a fit right now <laughs> right yeah he just walked right up to the barricade to talk to those wounded soldiers who all got up with their walkers and with assistance and stood at that barricade and saluted the president and then he was so animated with them talking to them thanking them for their sir I mean that was genuine Donald Trump he yes. really loves people <laughs> Yeah. And he loves the military. And I mean, he was down there and he was animated. And I was like, we need to see more of that guy. (laughs) It is, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's funny, but that is what, uh, if if you think about it, as you were, as you were telling that story and I was, I was thinking about it and listening and it's, it, it, it hit me like in New York, he didn't really fit in with the upper crust because mm-hmm. he's he's super comfortable with the construction guys. He's yep. super comfortable with the dudes who are actually doing the building and he's checking in. And <laughs> it is funny to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm so happy he got elected in 2016. I really, really did because... He's not a politician. He's not. I mean, all this stuff about the swamp, it's legit. It is legit. He he messed up the plan by getting elected. And I there was a delightful thread by, by Glenn Beck this morning on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> that was and I'm like, we had Chad Prather on the show last week, and Chad works for Glenn and, and loves him and all that stuff. But like Good for Glenn Beck to do it to, to, for the for the listeners. Here's what Glenn said. He's like, I want to apologize. I'm, of course, I'm paraphrasing. He's, he's like, I was a jackass in 2016. I want to apologize for the some of the some of the stuff that I said, and it got heated. And like, it's just it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch uh, all these people who were just like, you know, really holding back. And you you have to think about where everyone was back in 2016 because there was a lot of people on the right who were like, "Hey, Trump's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. He's going to get in there. He's going to he's lying. He's not going to do this. He's not going to do that." And then the the wonderful uh, realization when you see it the light goes on in people's eyes and they they they're like, "Why wow, he's doing it? He's doing what he said he would do." And you can see when someone is trying, like mm-hmm. you can see when when there's a person in, in the White House who's who's legit trying and not just trying to manage the problem. And we're going to do a study on that. And in 10 years, we hope to when you have a guy in there who's used to building buildings and getting things done and no BS is goes, OK, move that. You know, just move the frickin embassy to Jerusalem. I'm done playing this game. Get us out of the Paris Accord. That's ridiculous. NATO, you got to pay your bills or we're leaving. Hey, uh, Iran, you guys can't have nukes. No, no deal. Just boom, 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 getting it done. Our society would be so much better off. And I'm not and I'm not talking about changing the Constitution or keeping people or electing emperors. But like we need 
This is what, in my opinion, the founding fathers wanted. They wanted capable people in the job. You do your time, you genuinely try to help, and then you bow out and you go back to your private life. That's what it's all about. Well, we're fired up. A little walk through history there. Okay, stick around. We got a bunch more show. We got a surprise for you. We got a little surprise guest, so hold on for that. And if we don't have a guest, if something happens with the power, it'll be me again. So either way, it's a win-win-win. We'll be right back. Okay, odds are you're one of the people in America who's better off today than three years ago. And now you've got some smug Democrat calling you racist and trying to jam one hand in your ass and another in your pocket. So at a time when taxes are down, jobs are up, and the economy is way up, it'd be nice if there were a candidate who had more to offer than making you pay for other people's shit. Well, the eagle has landed. Say hello to President Donald J. Trump. He ain't just making America great again. Trump's doing things no president has ever done before. He's keeping promises, packing courts, defending the border, rebuilding our military, and making Chuck Schumer cry like a schoolgirl with two skin knees. This president is six foot three inches of let's put America first. And oh yeah, immigration, jobs, drug prices, nobody's got better numbers. The game has changed, and the Democrats are officially fucking crazy. So keep America great. Stand with Trump in 2020. We are thrilled to have this next guest with us. You guys, you, something you need to know about me. I am a comic book nut. I am a sci-fi nut. I'm a fantasy nut. I read it. I ingest it. I learn it, love it, live it. So my next guest is all that and more. You guys, we have we have uh, a gentleman on the show who has a, uh, an incredible history with the form, with the format. Now he's branching out into novels. But just to give you a little backstory, uh, yeah, has this dude uh, written on The Punisher? Yup. Has he written on The Flash? Yup. Star Wars, Batman, you know it. He's also created some amazing characters like The Badger. And he's also uh, created characters uh, and 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 forms like uh, Nexus. We're, we're thrilled to have this guy with us. Uh, we got Mike Barron. Mike, are you there, bud? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Oh, this is this is great. This is great. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this. Uh, we're not gonna go. We'll, we'll we'll start with now, and then we'll go back to the past. So <laughs> we're gonna do it Pulp Fiction style. What what are you working on now? What has you excited right now as we speak? I just finished writing a graphic novel called Thin Blue Line Ooh. Uh, with a friend of mine who's both a police officer and a very fine comic book artist. Uh, wow. And it's, about, it's about everything that's happening right now. Uh, and and uh, Joe is just beginning to illustrate it. He works full time as a cop, uh, but he says he can turn out four penciled pages a week. Uh, and we have a great anchor, Jeff Slemons, just one of the greatest artists I know. Just go to jefflemons.com. 
So I'm stoked on that, but that's going to be a long time before we launch the crowdfunder for that sometime next year, because uh, yeah. it's going to take a while to get it done. I'm also writing my eighth Josh Pratt novel in my Biker series. Uh, and if you like uh, suspense crime thrillers, you'll like Biker. Josh is a reformed motorcycle hoodlum who went to prison and found God and comes out and tries to turn his life around. Uh, he's a type well-known to thriller readers uh, like Jack Reacher or Philip Marlowe or Travis McGee, yeah. who, is my ins- who is my inspiration for writing today, John D. MacDonald. Uh, but uh, Josh puts his own spin on things. There are seven uh, books out now in the series. They're all available. They're all on Amazon. Uh, and they're grim, Jim. If you like tense thrillers and crime thrillers, they're for you. Uh, I also just finished a Badger novel, which is being edited, and yeah. we, will, we will offer that uh, next year. Uh, and I'm also working with uh, Mike Miller and Doug Tenapil on a uh, uh, Bigfoot Bill Lone Star Nexus crossover. What the Sam Hill? Dude, what? <laughs> you, you, you have like uh, seven different plates spinning. You have seven different plates spinning. I, I want to go uh, back to uh, I, 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 I got to go back to this 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 motorcycle character uh, yeah. that you have. That, what what's the name of that series again? Biker. 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 Okay. Now when go- when did the when did the first episode of Biker uh, come out? When did the first uh, edition come out of that? Well, geez, it was at least five or six years ago. Uh, when Airship 27 published the very first Biker story, uh, and then I, I took it to um, uh, another publisher, uh, and uh, they published four issues, four books in the series, uh, but they really had no budget for marketing, and nobody ever saw the books. Uh, so then I went to Wolfpack Publishing, and Wolfpack is a very solid mid-sized publisher that specializes in crime suspense thrillers and westerns yeah and mike bray snapped them all up and now there are seven out in the series and i'm working on the eighth now that's that's fantastic uh, uh, that's um that's very so that's a, that's a, a successful title for you right i mean it sounds like well, when, you, you know, when you're talking I, about it, seven eight installments the those who read it love it uh uh, but it's it's not exactly setting the world on fire. There's a lot of competition out there. By far, my most successful book with Wolfpack is Florida Man, uh, which dwarfs <laughs> everything else. And, and as you know, I mean, Florida Man is is uh, uh, a humor book. It's laugh out loud funny. It may be the funniest novel ever written, he said modestly. But everybody who reads it says, I mean, I, the reviews say I had to keep wiping the tears out of my eyes every few minutes and. My wife got irritated with me every time I read to her a passage from the book, but it was too funny not to share. And uh, there are now two Florida Man books out. The first is called Florida Man, and the second is called Hogzilla. And uh, we're, we're working right now on the Florida Man graphic novel, which we hope to have done by the end of the year. Todd Mulroney yeah. is, the author, is the artist. Todd did the design for the book cover, and, and everybody who's seen the book cover has freaked out. They just love it. Have you seen the book cover? I I have not. I was doing so, dude. I was doing a little bit of research into you because I've tied. I've decided to to turn over a new uh, a new leaf, a new leaf and actually and actually pretend to know what I'm talking about. And I I brought up your your Wikipedia, and there's just so much here. It's 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 fantastic. Just just your uh, your pedigree. 
Oh, well, as I don't go. know about that. I never look at it, and I had nothing to do with that, but no. thank you very much. Those, those people never do. They never do. You, you've got to keep looking forward. But I, I'm, I'm stoked uh, for the Florida Man uh, graphic novel. That seems like uh, – that seems ripe. Okay, here's, here's, here's my question. Before I get too ahead of myself and get too excited about, about Florida Man and the graphic novel and all that other stuff, what is the state – how would you – how would you describe the, the state of affairs in the in the comic book industry? Is it as I, I hear it's kind of grim right now? Yeah, they don't know whether to shit or go blind. The physical book is in danger. Uh, the traditional comic books, uh, and by that I mean Marvel, DC, and a few lesser titles. Are you Michael Loftus comic on Twitter? I am. That is my personal account. I am also. Okay. I am also the Loftus Party on Twitter. That's the, the that's the wonderful. Yeah. I get, uh, I'd like to post to you uh, the cover of the, the Florida Man uh, novel. Yeah. Yeah. Look, listen to your type. Listen to your type. I'm jealous of those skills. Okay, so off this party. Here's All what right. it seems. Here's what it seems to. This is the overall theme as I get it as an outsider looking in. It oh, yeah. seems to me that uh, that the comic books are actually the the canary in the coal mine. They made the turn quite a few years ago to do more like social justice. Oh, we're going to have, we're going to have a superhero to fit in, you know, uh, Oh, we're going to have a, a girl superhero from this and her powers are all going to be very reflective of modern society. And it just seems, uh, kind of lame. It just seems kind of lame. It seems like they're, they're chasing a, a demographic and they're not worried about the stories. And now that's in, infected everything. It's well, it I'd like to address Star that. Wars. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, there are a number of reasons uh, contributing to the demise of comics, and one which is generally goes unspoken is the rise of video games. And the fact is that uh, a good video game simply gives you much more bang for your buck than a 4 or $5 comic. It's better done, it's more entertaining, it's more involving. I have not read comics regularly in about 10 years. Every time I dip back in just to see what's going on, I'm very disappointed. And yeah. Now, what you're talking about are, are uh, writers who do not know how to entertain, and instead they come in with an agenda, and they think that they're, they're there to change society. No. Yes, uh, yes. The, the writer's first duty is to entertain. That's my number one rule. Uh, if you don't entertain, you're going to lose everybody. And that doesn't mean you can't bring up social issues. There are a number of very great books that are very entertaining that bring up social issues. To Kill a Mockingbird, The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, those yeah. books both entertain and they enlighten, but that's because they're written by experienced storytellers who know how to grab an audience by the throat. Everything I do, my goal is to grab the reader by the throat and drag him into the narrative to the exclusion of all else. Well, how do you do that? You use every trick in the book. You have a compelling character. It's my belief that the reader wants someone with whom they can identify. You have uh, an amazing plot or a great idea like Jurassic Park. Yeah. The concept alone is intriguing. Uh, you have a seductive narrative voice. That is, the dialogue rings true and it entertains. All these things are missing from modern comics for the most part. And I always say comics are the most forgiving medium there is. You can get away with stuff in comics you could never get away with in other medium. And the proof is Superman himself. It took uh, 50 years for the cinema to catch up with Superman. Uh, mutant Teenage Ninja Turtles. I mean, if you if you had pitched that to to uh, a filmmaker or or uh, a publisher, 
40 years ago, they would have laughed in your face. Uh, yeah. Flaming carrot. And these are just examples of the, the type of thing that a comic book form will legitimize that you can't legitimize in any other uh, medium. Uh, and of so, course, once it's, it's legitimized in comics, then it will it will cross over to other medium. Yeah, here's here's the, the the very strange phenomenon, and this this could be uh, uh, an apocryphal story. This could just be something that I want to be true. This is what I've heard on the street that like there is a a, a nostalgia. There is there's people like me. I I love. I love graphic novels. I, I, I just, I dig it. I grew up on comic books. Uh, I dig graphic novels. And they're still around. Here's the, and maybe you've heard this story as well. When uh, Robert Downey Jr. was successful as Iron Man and he signed a big contract with Marvel after, you know, I think they got him for three movies, super cheap. And then he realized, wow, I'm going to be part of this big Marvel universe. I want my own universe to, I want my own my own films. He had a script for Sherlock Holmes, which is a, a franchise that he runs now with his wife. The, the script wasn't light, wasn't setting the world on fire. He hired a company to turn it into a graphic novel and then took it to Comic-Con. And because the graphic novel was out, then they, they kind of reverse engineered that like, Oh yes, this is a very hot property in the graphic novel world. We should make the movie. Where, have you heard that story as well? No, I haven't, and it doesn't surprise me because we see how many comic book properties have been transferred over into film on TV or in movies in recent years. Some are successful, some not so much. Uh, I have to say that I'm a big fan of a number of the Marvel films. Uh, other of the Marvel films leave me cold. It, it, it just depends on the script. Everything yes. depends on the script. Yeah. It's a, it's all it's all about the the, the storytelling because uh, you get it you get a character like uh, like Captain Marvel who's just uh, overpowered and has no real struggle and just can seemingly do everything effortlessly. Uh, that movie just didn't do it for me. It has nothing to do with a with a, a female lead of a movie. It's just like man, that just it, she she didn't have to try for anything. Everything just came so easy. It was boring uh, for me to watch. So that was a that was a swing. Uh, and a miss. So I, I wouldn't know. You, you didn't see Captain Marvel? No, I, I'm at a stage in my life where the type of fiction that in, that intrigues me is stuff that that stinks of reality. Did you say, yeah, this is real, this is happening? And if I may, I'd like to recommend a movie called The Rider, which is okay. about a, a rodeo competitor re, uh, who's. Uh, recuperating from from a skull fracture when a horse threw him and it's simply about this guy trying to get back in the game and it stars the actual people who live this i mean it's the two story the guy that stars it it's one of the most gripping movies i've ever seen because everything about it is real and everything about it is fascinating uh, when it comes to crime fiction i gravitate towards stories that i believe could happen i'm a big fan of the equalizer series and I wish that Denzel and Antoine would make an Equalizer 3. They're among my favorite action movies. Uh, another movie I'd like to recommend is, is Dinner Rush, which stars Danny Aiello as the owner of a trendy Tribeca restaurant that the mob is trying to move in on. And nice. it's just about one night in, in his life at a very busy restaurant, and everything is coming together, and everything happens that night. Uh, and it's just monstrously entertaining. It's so beautifully put together. That's the type of entertainment I like, stuff that I can believe in. I can say, yeah, this is really happening. Uh, 
What was what was the movie? And I'm trying to think. It it starred uh, the guy from from Lord of the Rings, who was working in a diner in the middle of nowhere, and then the mob comes in and finds him. Uh, he defends himself against them, and then you find out that he used to be an assassin in the mob. Do you remember that movie? What the? Oh man, that was history a good... of violence. Yeah, I love that flick. I gotta check out the Dinner Rush, man. Dinner Rush. It's just Dinner Rush. Just Dinner Rush. No the. And, and the Rider. And by the way, I'm posting the covers of my books uh, on the Loftus party. I'm just messaging them to you. I love it. I love it. So, 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 tell me about the you. You've you've transitioned from boy a long history with comics, and I, I just I'd love to. I, I could spend an hour talking with you about the, the flash and, and dark horse comics and star Wars and the Punisher and blah, 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 blah. But you're transitioning into, into just straight up novels now. And, well, that's and, what I set out to do. Like I said, it just took me a long time to, to master the form. But now that I have it, I'm more excited than ever about my writing. Uh, and that's one of the bright spots in my life is that I believe my writing has gotten better. And I think it gets better every time I sit down. Yeah. Uh, that that is what uh, I tell you. I I, uh, I started as a a stand up comedian. Did sketch comedy, wrote sketches, then kind of fell into writing for television, and you know, blah blah blah. But I always felt like novels. It, it, there's a weird thing when you respect the written word. There's something about just the idea of just having the balls. To even think you should write a novel, like right? Well, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I mean, I, I, every, do. I put it on a pedestal, and now I, I, I made the decision that I, you just have to jump in. You just—it's like learning to swim. You just say, yes, it's gonna—it's probably gonna suck, but the only way to get better is to keep doing it, right? Yeah, I have a theory that every would-be novelist has a million words of bullshit clogging up his system. <laughs> and then you have to get that out before you get to the good stuff. And any successful novelist will say the secret is to sit in your chair and type the words. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, it might have been Ernest Hemingway or, or someone like that who is just like the only way to get better is just to do it. Just That's start. Right. Just start and go. So who who's a, who's a literary voice – that that you just you, you look up to and you think wow that 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 person just has got it they're just a, a gift well there's a guy named chuck logan who lives in minnesota has written a number of thrillers uh one called Homefront was turned into an awful movie by sylvester stallone okay uh, but uh, logan knows how to grab you and the freshness of his language just astonishes me. I recommend all his books. And I, I'll say that for Chuck Dixon's uh, series, too. Uh, uh, Levon Cade. And, he's, and they're all started. Levon's Home, Levon's War, Levon's Mission, Levon's Family. Uh, and when I, read Le when I read one of Chuck's Levon books, I get seriously jealous. I say, you, you son of a bitch. How yeah. How right? <laughs> but, but the reason I'm writing today is because of John D. McDonald, uh, who created Travis McGee, uh, the greatest series character of all time, upon whom Josh is modeled. Well, not modeled, but that's that's where the inspiration comes from. And while most readers may not know who John D. McDonald was, they have surely heard of and seen uh, 
the movie Cape Fear. There are two versions of the movie out. The latter one starring Robert De Niro. That's yeah. a typical John D. McDonald story. Okay. All right. Um, but there, there are so many. Another one i got to throw in there is Con Igledon. He's a historic writer, lives in England. He's got a six-book series about, out about Genghis Khan that blew my mind. Really? Yeah. It's over a million words, and you can't put it down. That is, that's, uh, that's fantastic. So, um, just before I forget, I want to tell, uh, tell our listeners where they can find your stuff. Give, give them, give me, give me a, give me a website. Give me an Amazon link. Give well, me you know, my How website ain't much. Your stuff? It ain't much. It's bloodyredbaron.com and we're going to revamp that. But if you go to Amazon and you just type in Mike Barron, is all my stuff one? will come up. And that's one R, you guys. We're talking about one R, just like the bloody red baron. Yeah, and uh, on Twitter, I'm at Bloody Red Baron. Uh, and on <laughs> Facebook, I have a Mike Baron uh, author page. And that's the best way to reach me, to contact me if you have any questions or anything. Twitter, at Bloody Red Baron and Mike Baron on Facebook. Okay, that, that's, a, that's, that's fantastic. People got to go grab your stuff. Uh, this is, it's an exciting time uh, to be a writer, to be an artist, to be a creator. It's fantastic. I, I would be remiss in my love of Star Wars. I'm, I'm looking here. It says that uh, you you wrote some Star Wars stuff for Dark Horse Comics once upon a time. Well, I had the honor of adapting uh, Timothy Zahn's Star Wars trilogy. And, wow. Uh, yeah. And that was a dream job because... They're all all I did was I used all of Timothy's own language. I didn't I didn't use any of my own. Okay. Uh, and it, and he writes so visually uh, that it was easy to adapt. And and many people consider uh, the the uh, the Thrawn trilogy, as it's sometimes called, because of the villain Lord Thrawn, uh, the best Star Wars novels ever written. So it was a great honor and a pleasure to work on those. And uh, and I'm happy to do it. You know. And, wow. Uh, so so. Would that be your if you had to pick a, a character from the uh, the Star Wars universe? Who who would be who would be the one that you, you you just find to be the most interesting? Yoda. Really? I no. I I think that's a I think that's a that's a phenomenal answer. That's an honest answer. And 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 is it because his his backstory is such a a, a mystery? That like we we meet him when he's you know already a few hundred years old. It's partly that. It's partly the mix of Eastern and Western philosophy, uh, and it's partly his speaking style. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, when I first saw Yoda on the screen, I was so bummed out. I was so bummed out. It's weird that character has grown on me because when I was a kid and I and like mm, it sounded. I'm like, okay, that's just Miss Piggy. That's just Miss Piggy talking backwards. And then the more distance you get from it, you're like, yeah, Yoda, man. I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> I dig it too. I was, it was so satisfying to watch uh, his fight with uh, Emperor Palpatine in uh, uh, whatever that, that the third in the trilogy was. I'm really, really into it. So listen, you've got a lot on your plate. I wanna, I wanna check out. Uh, I want to check out the, the the blue line. The 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 is it the thin blue line? Thin blue line is what we're calling the graphic novel. 
I want to check that out. I want to read your stuff. I'm all about the graphic novels. I'm all about uh, the novelist in you. I wish you nothing but success. We're going to have some links up at the theloftestparty.com. You've already said your website. Let's say it one more time before we say adieu. BloodyRedBaron.com There you go. You guys, give them a follow. Get some stuff. Let us, uh, let us sally forth and continue to create cool stuff. Dude, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! Is it too much show? Is it way too awesome? Or is it just the right amount? I'm going to say it's just the right amount. We're back. So much more to discuss. Well... There is a lot to discuss. There's some cool things going on. There's some sad things going on, but it's all interesting. It's a great time to be alive. I know the Gimlet over there in Gypsy Camp is chomping at the bit to talk about these Bernie bros. That's that's something you haven't heard in a while. The Bernie bros. It actually struck me. Did you see Rick Grinnell's speech? I did. I did not see it live, but I saw it it on YouTube. I thought it was really good really yes. good and you know i had the opportunity to talk to rick grinnell at the rnc in 2016 for a few minutes oh ho! and he was making the case about why he was supporting trump and i and i actually wrote about my evolution to to agreeing with him over the last several years mm-hmm. um earlier this week but some polling came out and then I heard Rick's speech, and it finally occurred to me, right? People yeah. no lo- people Republicans no longer care if other Republicans support Trump. They think his agenda is more important. Yeah. Yes. The Republican Party, and Tucker's talked about it for years. Rick's talking about it. You can hear it very clearly. We're the party of the middle class, working class, working Americans now. Donald Trump did that. Yes. Because the Democrats actually walked away from those people. Well, they took them for granted. Yes. They took them for granted and they walked away starting in the Clinton administration. They are now the party of the very rich and the very poor. 
Yes, so I, would, I agree Donald with all Donald Trump this. is going to take the middle, and Republican voters are like, this is where we're going. America first. We want our trade deals to be as good for us as they are for the other nation. We want our foreign policy to, to focus on the safety and security of Americans. Yes, 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 yes. We have effectively, on the right, kicked out our establishment. The Michael Steeles, the Jeff Flakes, the Bush 43 people, the Uniparty. Yes. And they've all gone over to the Democrats. So there sit the Bernie bros who've been trying to crush the Democratic establishment since 2016. And we did it first. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think that's I think that's awesome. I would make the argument, though, I would make the argument, though, that the Bernie bros just got lapped by the extremely charismatic AOC. They just uh, the, the squad is the Bernie bros. It's just it's just AOC. It's just a sexier uh, version. It's pretty much the same thing. It's pretty much the same thing. It's it's socialism. It's, you know, we'll tell you where you can work and it's green energy and it's free health care. And it's like, I just don't know. Are there big differences between uh, the squad and uh, and Bernie bros? I really I don't. Well, I mean, they they clearly supported Bernie. All of them did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They until wanted it, him until it was no longer politically expedient for AOC. And then she endorsed Biden. Right. Right. She's a I better just... politician. She's the best politician of all of them, I think. Yeah, I don't think yeah the, the Bernie Bros aren't going away. They'll just they'll just get folded into uh, AOC's camp. But you you brought up something which re it, it reminded me of something that I wanted to bring up on the show. And we got we got some more entertainment, some more fun stuff coming up uh, in a little bit. But but this happened recently because you, you're talking about Rick Grinnell and we got rid of the establishment people. Uh, Lindsey Graham, there's I don't know. Oh, this is from the Federalist. Uh, Lindsey Graham and his staff kept Republican members of the Judiciary Committee in the dark about an interview of key Russiagate figure Joe Piantka on Thursday. Multiple sources told the Federalist. So they're they're uh, asserting that there's a, a big wig in the Russiagate thing. This this Joe Pintka. It's it's P. I. Joe Penenka. It, yeah, he was. Um... He was with Peter Strzok when they went to Trump Tower. To yeah, interview the president and Kluman. Yeah, he was so, he was the guy that was supposed to observe the room for behavioral clues. Right. And so he was that he was also the one that questioned Mike Flynn with yes. Strzok. So mm -hmm. why doesn't Lindsey Graham want other people in there? Why would Lindsey Graham? Maybe, uh, maybe it's just a a mistake. Maybe it's. Uh, maybe there's nothing to the story, uh, but they got multiple sources that are telling them this and that, mm, I you just know, don't it, like it, it. I just don't like it. I don't it, like it. It's puzzling to me. And this isn't necessarily a defensive Graham, but he's declassified and he's gone public with a lot of the stuff he's found. Um, he's been very upset about the FISA, the FISA abuse and everything else. So on this particular issue, I mean, he's still a hawk. He's not a fan of America first foreign policy. I get that. But on this particular issue, he's been pretty decent. So I'm confused. Me too. Me too. Mm -hmm. And 
Lindsay always talks a great game, and he when he gets upset and heads are gonna roll, and I'm gonna da 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 da. da I'm still wait. I'm still waiting for the charges against those bitches that lied about Brett Kavanaugh. Remember that? Lindsay was great yep. on TV that day. Oh, we're not going to stand for this. We're going to. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. Blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think anything's ever happened. And now they when you're talking referred, about, they were referred to the DOJ. Well, that was referred to the DOJ. The DOJ never did anything. And that that was before Barr. But that's mm-hmm. just. I, it, listen, I got my. We got our eyes on all of it, and nothing is more important to me than uh, RussiaGate. It really isn't. That's the mm-hmm. most important thing. Uh, everything else w- will come in time. But keep your eye on the prize. And if we can't they, get to the what, 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 you're laughing. They could not cut away from Cornell's speech fast enough when he started talking about his time as acting DNI and everything oh. he saw. Like, that appeared nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> he laid it out. He laid it out. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, and then I, I just want to note this on the, on the podcast as well, just to, just so you guys know what we're talking about. This kind of bookends how we opened up the show with the whole Sarah Carter, blah, 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 blah. I don't know about the other nights of the RNC, but I can say this about the first night. With the Democrat convention, uh, Amazon streaming had all four nights of the Democrats, all four nights. If you had mm-hmm. Amazon, if you had uh, Amazon streaming service, you were you got all four nights uninterrupted. Ba 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 ba. They didn't even offer the RNC. It wasn't even an option. Yeah. It was at oh yeah, and that is why we're here. That is why we're doing what we're doing because and this I'm going to use the the Matrix as the metaphor. If you're just sitting there watching. Amazon, you're like, oh, I want to be informed, and you, you, oh, there's the there's the DNC, and then the Republican thing doesn't even exist. It's as if it never happened. It's not part of your reality. That is diabolical. That is diabolical. Go ahead. Yeah. Does Jeff Bezos know those were Democrats outside his house with a guillotine? Uh, no. No, they're just the silly oh. masses. They're just the silly masses. This is like someday I, I hope I'm rich enough to be a Democrat. It's like these people, they never think the mob will come for them. Like Ted Wheeler in Portland. Oh Ted God. Wheeler in Portland. Like He's like, I'm going to send this letter to Donald Trump telling him I don't want his troops in here to help me out. And then they showed up at Ted Wheeler's house. It's just, they were at his condo last night. Yeah, I know. It's hilarious. Okay, we got to... Um, I, I want to talk about a couple more things here. Just a, a sharp turn. Uh, Elon Musk last night. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he has this new product called the Neuralink. Uh, I'm going to bring up the, the the tweet on my phone. The Neuralink is uh, about, it's like a really thick quarter. It's it's about that size. But if I, this is true. This, I, he's bragging uh, that this thing is amazing. Uh, and they, they got it in a pig. They put it in a pig's brain and they're saying, oh, this will be good for, uh, Alzheimer's. This will be good for schizophrenia. This will change the game. It somehow, I don't know what the interface is like. I don't know what the technology is, but it is like a, the size of a quarter, very thick, probably about five quarters stacked on top of each other. This goes in your brain. No. 
<laughs> yes. And he said <laughs> in the presentation last night, in the future, this is a quote. Uh, in the future, you will be able to save and replay memories. Uh, and then, of course, the author of the piece was like, "It's it sounds like a Black Mirror episode, because it is. That was a Black Mirror episode. This is uh, a terrifying notion to me. Like, I'm a sci-fi, I'm a science fiction guy. People have written books upon books upon books about this very thing. Uh, and okay. it the whole thing terrifies me. It really terrifies me. Okay. Go ahead. So, everybody's saying that they're worried that Bill Gates is going to put some kind of little chip in a vaccine. Yeah. And now we're looking at Elon Musk wanting to put a unit in your head? No. I, no. I don't it, think... What did the pig do that was so fantastic that they think this works? I, I, I don't know. But they probably... If it's my guess, if it's my guess, uh, they 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 mapped out the pig's brain. Like, here's what happens when the pig is happy. Here's what happens when the pig is sad. That's what a brain. It, that's what its brain looks like. Uh, then they put in the neural link, and then they gave it some kind of jolt or some kind of pulse, or they activated it, and blah 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 blah. And then these other areas of the pig's brain lit up. That's just my guess. That's just my guess. Okay. But now I have they're a saying problem with self-driving cars. <laughs> it so, is this is a no <laughs> oh i'm i'm not looking forward to it at all and the implications so this is this is the the this is the prototype this is the first round bah, 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 bah. but where this could go uh it, it could go to a very 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 dangerous place we we, we gotta be careful with stuff like that i'm a huge elon musk fan but wow, dude, be careful with this one. Go ahead. Medical ethicists need to be on top of this now because, like, CRISPR could be used for so many wonderful things, right? Yeah. They've already used it to restore sight for some blind people, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, can be truly amazing and life-changing. Medical ethicists need to put the rails on that shit right now because it's gene editing. Yes, yes, it's uh, they it, need to it look all at goes... Elon Musk and say, Here's your guardrails, <laughs> yeah, like supposedly they've done on cloning. Now, there was a, a, a movie a million years ago with, with Christopher Walken and, and Natalie Wood called Brainstorm. Uh, this is just me being very old, but uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, was an inventor, and he had invented this device where you could record your dreams and your thoughts and your experiences, and then you could share them with other people. You had this big device you had to wear, uh, but and this is where Natalie Wood died uh, during the the making of the movie. And uh, I would invite everybody to watch Brainstorm. It's from the 1970s. At one part, it's it's very funny. Uh, what Christopher Walken's buddy. Uh, gets a prostitute, uh, and he's just banging this girl. <laughs> the guy's wife calls up Christopher Walken and goes, "Hey, he's been locked into his study for three days, and he won't he won't come out." And Christopher Walken goes over, and the guy had just put uh, his his orgasm on a loop, <laughs> and, 
And Christopher Walken comes in, and the guy's just wearing a bathrobe, just with the device on his head, just twitching out. Almost accidentally killed himself. So anyway, that's the comedy of that. Uh, but it's a very dangerous thing. One of the, right off the bat, I go to this. Here's if I'm a supervillain. Here's what I do. If I'm a supervillain, I go in there and I go, well, download everything. Just download my whole brain. I want all my thoughts and all my experiences, everything about me. Put it on the Neuralink. And then when I get sick or I'm at the end of my life, download everything onto the Neuralink and just pop that into someone else. And then I'll just be that person. I just need a new body. It goes to a very, very terrifying Ugly. place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the, here's, here's the other place I see villains. Here's the other place I see villains. I recently, uh, I had my first uh, COVID test for work. Uh, my, my workplace is opening back up on Monday. My schedule is just going to be insane. But everyone has to get a COVID test. And and luckily, I didn't have to do the one where it touches your brain. I didn't have to do the lobotomy one. They called this one a, a mid-nasal swab. But it went, it went a good, I'm going to say a good inch, inch and a half up my nose. If they, if they would have kept going, I would have been concerned. But it was enough. It was, it was high enough where my eyes watered. I didn't like it. Uh, and they just swirled around this uh, cotton swab. In, you know, in my one side of the nose, the nostril, and they did the other side of the nostril. And then, uh, you know, I, I had like a reaction to it. You know, your eyes, your eyes well up and you, you don't like it. And you you want to sneeze and all that good stuff. And then there was like this medicinal drip. There was like a flavor to it. And I said to the nurse, I'm like, wow, that's a that's an odd flavor. She goes, yeah, that's what that's what people tell me. And I and I joked around. I'm like, well, they should if it's going to have a a taste, they should they should make flavors. You know, you could have peach or cherry or grape. And sh and she laughed and yay, it was all wonderful. And then the writer in me, the the science fiction guy in me, the the <laughs> the teller of tall tales. I'm thinking, why does that have a why does that have any kind of flavor? Like that must be just some kind of agent to yeah, keep reagents. Yeah. To preserve. Yeah. Now smash cut to the supervillain lab where they have access to all the tests and they just could, can infect certain tests. They just have the live COVID-19 culture on the end of that swab and they can just decide, okay, well, we're starting to, the cases are starting to drop off in Seattle, so we need to infect some people there. We need more tests, we need more tests. And then just, air quotes, randomly, you just send a couple of these tests out, uh, and you could you could make it look completely random. You can make it look completely random, where just wow. as people are getting the tests, you're infecting them. And it's, it's, just, it's an idea for a story. I'm not, listen, you guys, I'm not saying not that's what's happening. It. No, I'm not saying that's what's happening at all, but I'm like, boy, that'd be terrifyingly easy. That'd be insanely easy. Here's what I find incredible. My personality? Well, besides that. The way I look in skinny jeans. <laughs> um, what, so what last you... week, the CDC came out with new testing guidelines. Yes. You don't get tests if you're asymptomatic. And if you're young and symptomatic, 
unless you get short of breath, you don't need a test. Right. If you've been exposed, unless you've been in close quarters for someone talking closely who ends up positive for over 15 minutes, you don't need a test. They know how this thing transfers now. So they put out all these new guidelines, which basically say the kind of testing you're going through, preemptive testing, not necessary, because they know about the immune response now and the T-cell response. And they know that a lot of the positive tests we've seen were just viral debris that couldn't infect anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they know, I bet you if you cornered Dr. Redfield, and probably even Dr. Fauci, and said, so the asymptomatic super spreaders, bullshit, right? <laughs> They'd yeah. have to admit. It. Yes. They, they actually say in the guidance, if you test positive for COVID-19 and you recover, you are considered recovered after you have 24 hours without a fever, without using medication, like Tylenol, Advil, whatever. Yeah. And that for 90 days, and they say this right in the guidelines, retesting is, it tells you no valuable information because viral debris that a PCR test can amplify is still in your nasal passages. Yeah, it's... Uh... So, like, the CDC is now saying, no, this random asymptomatic testing is not necessary. We can go to sentinel testing in nursing homes and public health facilities just like we do for the flu. Here's what you do if you have symptoms. Here's what you do if you think you're exposed. If you are actually sick and you recover, don't get a retest. And we still have businesses and governments and all this other stuff mandating this crap. And it's useless. Yes, it is. Uh, really, and there's there's fortunes being made uh, off of this. And the the side effects of all of this... Look at the way the governors are locking everything down and people can't go back to work and got to wear, do you got to do this. It is, uh, I don't I think just, we're going to, we're not going to look back at this time in American history fondly. We no, to- and I just want to know how Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo are going to justify their continued policies when Georgia's coming to the end of its, its cases spike, right? And yeah. we never did any of that. Yeah, it's uh wait. It ain't good. It ain't good. Mm-mm. All right. We have to we have to say goodbye here soon, but we have to give a special shout out uh to Chad Bozeman. That is the uh I'm gonna call him the young man uh who you Boy, all great. saw you, you saw in uh Black Panther and the Avengers, Avengers mm-hmm. Endgame. He played James Brown. He played Jackie Robinson. He played Thurgood Marshall. It's really uh, this one. I don't, I don't know why, but when I found out about his pet, pa- this one hit me hard, and yep. I, uh, it really did. He had colon cancer, forty three years old, and then of course he he. He played Jackie Robinson in the film, and he passed on Jackie Robinson Day. And just what a what a charismatic dude! What, yeah. what a fine, 
fine actor. And then mm-hmm. you find out that he he got this diagnosis years ago. Like four years ago, yeah. And made all these movies. When you see him in Avengers Endgame, he, he's 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 got it. He he's he's mm-hmm. struggling. And boy, that guy gave it his all. He gave it his all. Yep. I'm, it really bums me out. It really bums me out. Just seemed like a fine, fine dude. And really just way too, way too soon. And it's just, I, it, I don't know. I don't know what the, the, uh, I don't know what it means for the Black Panther franchise. I'm sure they'll, they'll figure out something there, but like just a, just a bummer. So I just wanted to uh, show our respect uh, and just a tip of the cap. Just what a, that's in, that's insanely brave. That's incredibly brave. It's incredibly strong, and to give such great performances when you're going when you're undergoing treatment and and the whole nine, I got yeah. nothing but respect uh, for that dude. Okay, we have uh, get your screenings done. Get your screenings done about what? A screening for colon cancer, super important. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I. Uh, yeah. Don't blow it off. Don't blow it off. Don't make uh, it's my Sam Simon, uh, my buddy Sam, mm-hmm. who he battled, you know, cancer for a long, long time. And his was one. Sadly, his was one of those cases where they're like, if you would have gotten this checked out, you would have been fine. And yep. so and I'm I'm a bit of a hypocrite over here. Uh, yeah. So listen, a lot of you. Uh, you're gonna get a finger in your butt anyway at some point. So every every once in a while, let a doctor do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh dear lord, that's the way to close a show. That is the way to close the show. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Holy smoke. Um, our our GoFundMe, our GoFundMe is very close. We we need. Our goal was $2,000. We're going to hook up. We're going to do a, a wonderful gesture for a, a police precinct here in New York who've just been getting the short end of the stick. And we're going to do all the ships, all the ships. So we, we, we set out to raise $2,000. As of this, as of this taping, we're right around 1300 So thank you so much for donating. Thank you so much for supporting the Loftus Party this podcast the youtube channel thanks for the the facebook likes and all that stuff we know they're shutting they're trying to silence the rational voices so thanks for lifting us up you're the wind beneath our wings <laughs> see you next time